I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I am Trevor Cummings, the author of the Thoughts on Money blog and the host of this podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about an article I wrote called Cash is Not Always King. Yep, that's it. Cash is not always king. Now, whether it's finance or sports or just life in general, we have all these little adages and sayings that we remember, and we kind of use them like a heuristic. It's like a little shortcut we can do to make a decision or a judgment on something pretty quickly. Now, there's a reason we have to make judgments pretty quickly, because a lot of research shows, and you're not going to believe this, but I'm going to tell you, that we make 35,000 different decisions every day. That is absurd that you are responsible for making 35,000 decisions a day. And yes, some of these decisions are tiny, like whether you're going to put cream in your coffee. But regardless, we have to move in some sort of efficient manner so we can get everything done. So we adopt these, what I'm calling heuristics or sayings or simplicities to help as like little road signals to give us some efficiency about making decisions throughout the day. And and let me give you one of those as an example. If somebody says, look both ways before you cross the road, it's a really good thing to adopt to memory that if you're going to cross the street, look both ways. Why? Because you don't want to get hit by a car. And I'm probably the best person to tell you that because when I was nine years old, I used to never look both ways. I used to race on my bike from my house to a friend's house, and I'd try to do as fast as I could. And I learned the hard way. I got hit by a car on Mother's Day when I was nine years old. I broke my tibula and my fibula. I was in a cast a really long time. And now I remember that adage, look both ways before you cross the road. And you betcha, I'm going to be teaching my two boys to look both ways before you cross the road. Now, this is a finance podcast. So we have these same things in finance. Think of things like don't put all your eggs in one basket. Another one, and the one we're going to talk about today, is people say cash is king. And that's a very common adage that you hear. What I want to talk about is that those things are really good most of the time. But the problem is if you misapply them, like you don't know the context behind what that means, it can get you in a lot of trouble. Now, let's dive a little deeper into cash is king. I want to give you examples of when cash is not king. I also want to give you examples of when cash is king. And what I want you to gather from today is that an asset, whether it is cash or stocks or bonds or real estate, you can only crown it king if it is the most appropriate or suitable asset based on the goal you're trying to accomplish. And that goal has a lot of specificity behind it, right? We need to know is that goal in two years or 10 years. We need to know the liquidity you would need in an asset, how easily it needs to be converted to cash. We would need to know how much that current expense is for that goal. So whenever you're trying to say one asset is king over another, it is all dependent on what the objective or goal is for that asset. I hope that makes sense, and we'll be getting back to that throughout the article. Now, I want to dive a little bit into this idea of where misapplication can get you in trouble. Sometimes we have our minds made on what we're going to do, and then we can lean on something like cash is king as a a trump card. So let's give you an example. Imagine your advisor came to you and he said, hey, Bob, John, or Sally, looking over your portfolio, your emergency savings fund has grown to a place where you have a lot of surplus there. 
And it would be prudent or it would be wise to reduce the position of your emergency savings, take some of that cash and redeploy it in your investment portfolio in some other assets. Then your advisor went on to explain the effects of inflation and the reasoning behind this recommendation. And all in all, this was a prudent recommendation. Well, let's say you didn't want to do that. You'd already decided in your mind that, hey, for your own reasons, you want to hold X amount of cash. So you might reply, hey, cash is king. That's a misapplication of that adage. Let me give you another example. Let's say in 2020, when the coronavirus came around, some person out there was just absolutely tired of all the volatility in the markets. They were fed up with this idea every time they opened their statement, their stock values were different prices. They didn't want to deal with this anymore. So they decided in their mind, hey, I'm going to sell all my assets for a certain time and just stay in cash. Now, we understand talking about it that that's a really emotional decision that is almost always not the best decision to make for somebody's financial plan. But that person might justify that decision and say, hey, cash is king. Again, another example when that adage is misappropriately applied. But let's now talk about when is cash king? Now, it doesn't have to be cash is king. You could say stocks are king or bonds are king. It depends on the situation, right? We, we've established the idea that it's absolutely circumstantial. So we have to first look at the goal. So in the article, I made up an example. And this is an example I hear from a lot of different people. I have a, a lot of young friends that are looking to buy homes in the next couple of years. And they come to me and they say, hey, I've saved $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 that is earmarked for a home purchase. I foresee us making this home purchase within the next, call it, 8 to 12 months. But in the meantime, savings accounts don't pay anything. Where should I invest this money? It's a good question. It's a valid question. It's a question I get a lot. So we've defined their objective. It's to buy a house in a year. They have, on their own terms, defined what the expense of that's going to be and how much they'll need. So let's look through different assets they could invest in. In the article, I gave three examples of different assets. Let's say, hey, let's say they took all that money invested in stocks, or let's say they took all that money invested in collectible art, Van Gogh's, Monet's, whatever they're interested in, or let's say they took all that money and they set it aside in cash. We have to break down each of those opportunities and assets, look at the attributes of that asset, and decide if those attributes, the traits of that asset, are the best match for the objective or goal that individual has in mind. So what are those attributes of cash that would, in some circumstances, make cash king? Well, two things I'm going to point out. Cash has no price volatility. So when you open your statement on a month-to-month basis, if you have $100,000 in cash in June and you didn't take any money out, when you open your statement in July, you will have $100,000 in cash. There's no price volatility when you're holding cash. That's one key attribute. The other attribute is cash is the common exchange for purchasing goods and services. What do I mean by that? We do not live in a barter society. If you want to go buy a Coca-Cola or you want to go buy a new car, you're not going to be trading artwork. You're not going to be trading stocks to do that. Most commonly, you're going to be exchanging cash in exchange for goods and services. That's why every asset has a metric or measurement called liquidity And that measurement is how easily can that asset be converted to cash. Now, in our examples, we talked about stocks, collectible artwork, and cash. If we think about the liquidity of stocks, it's pretty good. 
there's a stock exchange with millions of people participating. And if you're owning a large cap stock, it's fairly easy to sell and exchange and convert that to cash. The liquidity with stocks is good. What's the other side about stocks? Do stocks have price volatility? They absolutely do. So if you have a one-year goal and you're going to be placing your money in stocks, you are gambling, right? There is a probability greater than 10%, probably greater than 20%, that at the end of the year, the money could be worth less than it is today. That is a gamble. That's a gamble I wouldn't be willing to take if I was trying to purchase a home. So for me, with our example, with a one-year goal, stocks are not king in that example. Now let's think artwork. Artwork could depreciate. It could experience that same thing. And yes, I know I'm using a very obscure asset, but I'm doing it on purpose, right? Because then when we think about the liquidity profile of artwork, which we've defined as how easily it would be converted to cash, it's not a very liquid asset. In order to sell a piece of artwork, what do you need? You need a buyer. And although there are all sorts of online resources to help you put your artwork out there and find many potential buyers, it is not as easy as selling a stock or taking a withdrawal from a savings account. So in this example, if you are going to buy a house in one year, as much as it's not sexy or exciting, I'm telling you cash is king. It is probably the most appropriate asset for you to hold for that specific objective or goal. And I know I am a broken record, but Financial Planning 101 is all about making sure the attributes or traits of that asset match perfectly with what your goal is. Most people run into a problem because they don't do a good job at defining that goal. When we ask, what is your goal? They might say something like, hey, I want to make 5 or 7%. That is not a goal. The goal is what that money is going to be used for in the end. And that can range from funding college to paying down debt to retirement to maybe a lifetime distribution strategy in retirement. Those goals can be a lot of different things. It's not about what rate of return you're trying to achieve. It's about what do you want to use that money for in the future. So it's easy to see in the example of when cash is king. Let's go a little further. Most financial goals are not short-term. If we have a short-term commitment, usually in our brains, we're going to call it an expense. You know, okay, I have a tax bill due in three months. Not as much of a goal as it is as an upcoming expense. If we know that most financial goals are long-term, call it five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, that's the greatest way to benefit from compounding interest. Well, in most of those situations then, Cash is not king. Cash is really appropriate for short-term goals because you know it's easily exchanged for the goods and services that you want to buy and you know that the price won't change. But most of the other goals that we talk about that clients are interested in, that is kind of the entire reason that we invest, what do those goals depend on? They depend on the asset appreciating and or creating current income. So going back to that idea of attributes, If you're looking for an attribute of appreciation and of current income, cash is not going to satisfy that need for you. So that's where that misapplication comes from. It's actually really rare when we can use that statement, cash is king. As much as all of us know it, we hear it, we've committed it to memory, 
it will be pretty rare when we can apply that to our particular situation. If you have a short-term goal or what I'm calling just a real pending expense that's coming up, then absolutely cash is king. If your goals, like most financial goals, are more long-term oriented and you're looking for those attributes of appreciating wealth or generating current income, then for those situations, a lot of the time, real estate is king or stocks are king or bonds are king. That's the whole idea of creating a diversified portfolio and creating that alignment between the portfolio and the financial plan. Now, I didn't want to leave this on you without some sort of visual context. So at the end of the article, I gave you a chart showing what cash interest rates have looked like over time, and I went back 25 years. The reason that's important is because in our history, there were times when cash was creating current income. So in a sense, it was creating some sort of compounding wealth. But you can see that that has shrunk over time. And those cash interest rates are pretty close to zero. And in the visual that I provided for you, it's measured against inflation. So you can see the delta between what the interest rate on cash was and what actual inflation was that year. I also included the inflation of healthcare and education because those two things depend uh, tend to get a lot more expensive than the other things that we purchase on a day-to-day basis. So again, the big takeaways that I want you to get from this article is one, you want to be very careful when you use these heuristics when it comes to big decisions. How you like your coffee and your marriage vows should not be given the same amount of thought, right? The idea behind these heuristics is to get through, you know, the 34,000 decisions a day that are probably less important, but you have to prioritize those other decisions that have a big impact on your life and you have to commit a little bit more thought. You also want to stop yourself when you lean on one of these shortcut sayings and you want to confirm that the context matches the application, right? We, we know that it's in our human nature to sometimes use these to justify our decisions and we do that all the time in life. We're unsure about a decision. We know in our heart we're being a little bit emotional, but we grab onto one of these statements and, and we use that as the trump card because we feel like we're being logical. So you got to be really careful. Uh, The third thing I pointed out in this article, and I want you to gather from it, is the optimal asset to invest in, what we keep calling the king, it depends on the circumstances. The objective is to find an asset that always correctly fits that end goal. So those are the major takeaways. We could write another one of these articles on not putting all your eggs in one basket, because I've heard that misused too. But whatever adage is kind of echoing in your head, uh, I want you to slow down and think, hey, does this really apply to my situation? And if you're unsure, email me, tcummings at thebonsongroup.com. I'd love to talk about it. I'd love to be a help or a resource in any way that I can. What I'd ask from you is if you don't mind rating the podcast and leaving, leaving a comment, it'd be much appreciated. And until next week, this is Tom signing off. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. 
Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.